Hey, good morning, Dinkar. Hi, Anumia. Hi. And it's as me. you folks can see, there is a third person here, and that's Anumia. Hi, Anumia. A few words about you. Who are you? Why are you here? What's happening? Um, well, you already said my name is Anumia. Um, I've been in the IT industry uh, for about 15 years or so. A major part of that has been with ThoughtWorks in business and product roles. Uh, so I've done a lot of that in the past few years. I've spent a lot of time on data projects within ThoughtWorks, but on the functional business side of data projects, um, which is more focused on how people use data, how businesses use data at scale, and what we can get out of that. So that data product intersection is of uh, a lot of interest for me. Uh, I think it's a lot of fun. Uh, also a lot of untapped potential in there. Uh, so that's yeah. what uh, the other day, Dinkar and I ran into each other in office and he was like, hey, why are you doing product for data? And I was like, because data needs it. And so one thing led to the other and we said, OK, this looks like an interesting conversation. We should chat more. And that's Absolutely. why I'm here. So uh, we, we, we talk a lot about we have talked a lot about product management, um, but mostly in application development space. Uh, we have talked a lot about generative AI and how product managers can benefit from generative AI as a uh, tool. We haven't talked much about uh, product management in the times of generative AI. And uh, that is what we wanted to hear from you. So over to you. Can you maybe just quickly start with the most basic of a question that I'm very uh, curious to hear about? What does the product life cycle look like for uh, a product which is based on generative AI, or as you may say, a data-related, data-based product, if okay. that's the right Sure. Um, I'll start with a simple example that maybe all of us would be aware of, right? A lot of, uh, and you'll see the interesting part of this is we all use data products. They are in our everyday lives. A lot of people are building data products. Yet it's not out there specifically called out as a data product uh, for whatever reasons. Like take Google Maps for an example. Through and through a data product, the purpose of Google Maps is actually help you navigate. So whether you are looking for a point on the map or whether you are looking to get from point A to point B, the navigation bit, that's what it is about. And it's got a lot of data in there for those locations, for those points. Um, and then it's got intelligence built on top of it. So if you want to go from point A to point B, it will use the data to say, OK, these are your three options. This is the time they will take. This is how the traffic will look like. Uh, this is how maybe you know sometimes the tolls will look like. So it gives you all of that information. So you can make a decision which one you want to take. Most of the times, it also makes the decision for you. So it uses the data to tell you. We assume you want the fastest route, so this is the one you should take. And so it puts you on that default. And if you put that in light of the product lifecycle, then Google Maps have been around, I don't know, forever is what I recall. Uh, but again, a long, long time, right? And a lot of data products, if they keep on building that intelligence, so you build a base layer with data, and then you keep adding on features, which you can derive from the data. And so they can go on for a long time. The life cycle stages themselves don't differ a lot from any other uh, product, I would say. And you typically get into the build and run 
and keep enhancing that cycle uh, so that's where it is so anumya uh, for the we have a very different set of audience uh, and not may everybody will be at the same page so one clarification is uh, if you can uh, like go a little bit deeper on mm-hmm. if, since like inception of our business applications like right, right. from the ibm days right we yeah. used to only do two things uh, when there were no ux as well it was all about you have data which you are churning whether it is business data or whether it is spreadsheet or whether it is text data and then you used to apply some business logic and then you used to transform that data to give you out some decisions information report presentation yeah, yeah. now in that sense everything which we output onto the screen or write to a file or deliver it over the internet is data not everything is data product though the way uh, so um, even in google maps example which you took not everything what google maps does is a data product whereas there are certain things which are succinctly data product and some other things are uh, just uh, like pure like by the definition of like everything would be a data product even if i put a text block and label on top of it it would be a data product but it is not at, at least to my uh, uh, mind so how would you distinguish between a data product and non data product just plain data basically so uh, that's that's an excellent question by the way um data products are essentially products whose usp depends on data in which sense google maps becomes a data product but not everything might be right so anything that is using a lot of data to make a decision is a data product there's another part which has uh, taken center stage after data mesh came around so one of the basic principles of mesh is that you should also look at your data as a product so apply product thinking to data uh, and there's a quote by jamak which i really like where she says hey data is not an asset to hold but it's actually a product to develop and to share with other people so how do you think about and like you said in the earlier days right everybody was generating all sorts of data and a lot of times we were just generating data for the sake of generating data and keeping it because someday we'll use it but the shift in mindset in the past few years has been who is this other person using data and what do they want from it and how do we design those data products in a way that it helps them instead so right a 180 degree turn where we are going to the other side and saying let's do it based on what the users need not based on what we can give them one thing uh, um, actually i'm jumping quite a uh, steps in a product life cycle but this is really uh, jumping in my head is uh, how do you qa these products i mean having if you if you're queuing a data product that means you need data you need the yeah. abundance of you need the variety so on and so forth right so yeah. that would lead to some kind of cash flow like how do you typically do that how are you folks handling the scenario um so uh, quality checks and testing qa for uh, data products is actually very interesting um not because that we don't have so much data all the time but the whole process itself requires a lot of uh, shifts as well so if let's say we take another business application you have a typical ba uh, sorry a typical qa process you have the testing parameter and you base it on that data products do something similar but the key part where you said uh, about you know you need the data to test it so there's the whole process of testing a product through its life cycle 
and then there is a you know like a last mile testing as well where you want to make sure you have done all the quality checks and that this product is good to go out while you are testing during the stages you would sometimes create synthetic data uh, or you know uh, fake data or test data is also what it's known as and what our uh, testing teams used to do they would look at what the layout of that data product is what kind of data it may need and then they would create a lot of test data uh, a lot of times on spreadsheets and then they would plug it into their testing systems um what it required for them to do is have a really good understanding of the product yes but also put in all sorts of scenarios in creating that test data so let's say if we are talking about you know name as one of the data points uh and names could be written in so many different ways like you see on this podcast the three of us i am just going with my first name sachin has shortened his last name and then we have put in your full name right so our testers would not only have to think of those scenarios they would also have to put all that data in um which was time taking the interesting shift that's come with a lot of these llm tools now is actually we can create synthetic data like this like i did it in one of my recent projects where we were like okay this is what we know about the business like largely a manufacturing company this is what they manufacture these sort of customers that they have this sort of sales and marketing data that we want and so we plugged in those details into chatgpt the other day and said hey chatgpt can you give us some synthetic data to say what this looks like now by all means we were not you know doing this like giving real customer data into chatgpt but just asking it to create fake data for us um, which it is it was really really good at like what used to take us days actually took minutes actually uh, i had a very good uh, very interesting experience here uh, and uh, anumaya uh, like we go on these digressions a lot so yeah, yeah. perfectly so um, uh, at some point i was working for a banking uh, application where we needed client pii right and uh, finding uh, synthetic data was a big uh, expense on that organization right mm-hmm. because they used to take product data go through lots of anonymization then there used to yeah. be a legal team which used to actually you know eyeball review it a lot of process it takes a lot of time and hence it's a big expense and one yeah. of the things that always was in our mind was that uh, this is one of the consulting asset we should make which uh, generates this kind of data and i was mm-hmm. struggling with synthetic data and uh, I'll, I'll let such a talk about it he had some insights on how to make it a, but one thing i tried with generative ai is can you uh, make a table with uh, name uh, address and uh, country and uh, it generated some 20 30 uh, names then i as i started adding more parameters like phone number and at some point it stopped responding it says the data being generated is very close to being can to being used as real data and we are stopping mm. uh, you know I, i'm no longer generating it for you that was a very interesting because few years back there is also this story that uh, there was this uh, startup founder who actually sold the startup to jp morgan said we have millions of users all the data even you know those people got uh, cheated they all was generated data so that that was a very interesting and one of the things that uh, we struggled with and that's why i asked you about this qa was that synthetic data tends to be very uh, good data production data will always have some you know uh, data corruption data format mismatches and all that and that becomes very uh, difficult 
but Sachin had some uh, interesting. Uh, so Sachin, do you want to talk a bit about? Yeah, yeah. I mean uh, the. GPT actually has a lot of potential to be the driver for generative, like synthetic data, right? But in my uh, understanding, there were some issues which we could not overcome with GPT. GPT also, if you think about it, right, it lowered the barrier of it. It brought a lot of complex problem in our here, our reach quickly. But then, it is also creating that illusion that it is now simple, which is not. Example would be is writing poem became very simple, but writing a good poem which will touch millions of hearts, it's it's still extremely difficult. But now um, it's it's like difference between uh, like YouTube, what it did, it democratized video making. Anybody can actually put up a nice video of twenty minutes, like, uh, and uh, it doesn't. Uh, but we are doing podcasts. Dinkar, the whole idea of it is challenging the movie medium. Challenging the ad medium, challenging the medium which is established, which requires a lot of effort, cost. Earlier, people couldn't buy RE three uh, camera system with fifty thousand dollar each lens and a microphone setup, which is just like ten thousand dollar microphone and then twenty five thousand uh, dollar amplifier and all that stuff. We couldn't just buy that; it was out of reach. But then, when you brought cost of creation down, it gets democratized and everybody can do that. But that does not mean essentially you you make it better. You just get a lot of information, and everybody get a chance to say. So there is a value in doing that, and it it is absolutely amazing. But yet the quality remains a challenge. Yeah, I, yesterday I w- went to watch a very typical Bollywood movie, very masala movie, uh, Rocky Rani ki love story or something like that. The whole experience of sitting in that theater and watching that movie was so phenomenal. It is nothing to take home, but I enjoyed that three hours like hard up. I was laughing. That whole production value was amazing. The clothing and it 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 shows that right. No matter what I do, I know that any influencer which is even making a million dollar every year, they would not be able to make a video like that. And that is uh, <laughs> that is something which is which is really really different. Chat GPT, I feel it is analogous to that. Although it can generate a lot of data very quickly, I find it it has some challenges. Right, number one, it keeps forgetting what it generated, let's say ten pages ago. So you have a tendency to create repetitive data. It may suggest something. It it also hallucinates and creates data. Luckily for synthetic data generation, hallucination is not a bad quality. But at the same mm-hmm. time, the thing is you may end up. uh having data which is too real when it is not real and the third thing is if you look at it closely depending upon what day and where chat gpt has woken up your same prompt starts giving slightly different output so let's say that one prompt actually gave a table with these headers and everything 15 minutes down the line you may get very different it is not deterministic output at all so if you have been like relying downstream systems of generating 20 rows in a certain fashion you may get actually slightly different output and these all are programming challenges which will eventually get addressed and solved sorted out in true sense like mathematically if you want to generate synthetic data there are algorithms and methods which mathematically prove this is unique data this is not based on original data 
Um, there are some variations which we have introduced. There is a noise injected into all of that. And GPT just goes, and it is like difference between what Karan Johar's movie is uh, of that mathematically proven versus chat GPT, which is like, okay, I just held up my phone camera and made a video. So it's, it's, it's just like everybody, every, uh, ultimately, if I do comparison one as to one, it's a video, it's, it's a, a script. There are two actors talking about it, but it is not a movie. And uh, that's, I would say, is a challenge which industry needs to overcome with. Because there will be a lot of people who will immaturely challenge that, hey, I have done this. This can be done using generative AI fast enough. But I, I worry whether that is going to be real enough. Because now you have two QA responsibilities. The data which you are generating using ChatGPT, that needs to be QA'd. And the QA of actual QA which you do on your system as well, which is data product generation. So uh, I don't know whether we are solving the problem or we are making our life complex. What both of you just said is actually how product management might look like in the age of generative AI. <laughs> 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 so let's pick up things, right? One thing that uh, the recent Gen AI tools have made very, very easy is the experimentation. So they've made right. the whole process of experimenting and testing very easy. They've also lowered the cost barrier. Like uh, yes. earlier, we used to worry about what that experiment will cost, right? So as product managers or as product you know, uh, teams, how do we capitalize on that? How do we test out our ideas really fast? How do we get that validation? before failing in the market and you know incurring a high cost there. That's one part. Um, the other part uh, which you've called out is how do we have almost enterprise grade generative AI tools, right? Mm. Which we can actually trust and take. And that there's a lot of work going on uh, and it will take time, but I think we'll get there. It's going through the right. usual technology cycles, right? We have seen a lot of hype. We have seen initial adoption. Now this turns and needs to turn into enterprise grade. Uh, um, AI. Um, the other thing which has been happening in the data world for quite some time is a lot of AI tools. So leave, even if you leave Gen AI aside, a lot of AI techniques have been applied to a lot of products. What, uh, and this is where I think the product management in the data space differs a little bit from other business applications, is that you start at times taking a solution and looking for a problem that can be solved with it hmm. over taking a problem and saying, okay, how do we solve this problem? Should we build a product about this? Are there products out there which can solve it? How do we integrate them into our current ecosystem? A lot of that thinking starts to shift around. Here is a solution. A lot of technological development is already happening with it. And so it's quite likely that it looks like X right now, but it will look like Y in two months. So how do we think about all of that and put that in the current context to say, okay, how do we solve this problem with this solution? How might we solve it in the next six months? And that's a shift that I think as product managers, we need to get uh, you know ahead of. Correct. Sounds fair, right? I mean, it goes through the cycle. You have a technology and then, hey, what can I do with this technology? And at some point, uh, a problem matures enough. You say, now that I have, I understand this problem, what are the better ways or different technologies or even some low tech uh, version uh, I can look for. So, I think that I, I wanted to also add one more thing to the product manager's thing, right? Is, um, and I get back to your question, but it is related to what she was saying. In, in the world of any product management, right? We, we think about user experience is very critical. So if we are building something, 
we want the maximum acceptance like people should feel that okay i can use maximum of what the creator intended so uber would like to say that i need to create only 10 screens or four screens but in four screens i want them to book a cab and like know exactly what is coming to them amazon also creates that single click so the goal of creators of products and product managers in turn is to make sure that people take that thing in the shortest amount of time that is number one genii in my mind has a lot to offer in this thing without taking a lot of risks example would be is um, its ability to comprehend something whatever is presented on the screen is insane and often when i see charts data tabular structures anything and couple of times uh, people have done this to me is like they said have you seen this table isn't it surprising to you and i i my first reaction is like i don't want to sound dumb and i don't want to sound like an idiot but i'm just like frantically searching what is it that's so surprising in this table <laughs> so that is something which always bothers me right and people put other people on spot for such kind of thing and uh, but generative ai i have seen few demos few examples thoughtspot has one offering in that sense i guess is yeah. ability to uh, comprehend data which is available on the table mm-hmm. available on the screen interpret chart create linkages uh, like draw insights do you think those are now reliable enough that it increases the efficacy of your data products so that consumption is easier or it is still little bit immature and we can't go and rely on that based on my experience i would still put it in that same uh, category to say it's really good to give you a head start but i wouldn't rely on it 100% to say okay this is good to go um, i see based on what it's generating right so that's what i would but the reliability it. counter is is much higher anumaya you feel right yeah yeah i do feel so because uh, so again coming from like you know a consulting background we do want to make sure that what we are putting in front of our customers is 100% reliable or decently reliable right and unless we can be sure of that with our testing and processes and everything how do we do that and i think that's still missing we might get there soon but at the moment that is still missing i i, I think uh, you know uh, one good thing has happened is that everyone across the whole industry understands that this these tools are producing very good drafts these tools yeah. are creating very good version 0.5 uh, yeah. but don't expect them to generate your version 1 which you can take out and, and that, that that's that's as of today we don't know what's uh, coming uh, soon yeah. the other question that i had anume uh, on the uh, jumping little ahead again on the product life cycle mm-hmm. is around um, you know uh, the regulations compliance approvals right one of the biggest thing that um, neural network or uh, these these kind of things were finding very difficult in past for getting regulatory approval was that uh, regulators want to know that if i give these five inputs i will get this output because and there is a table there is a relationship that right and they get very uncomfortable when you say that hey this is a neural network it's a black box we don't know what's inside it somehow it will spit an answer and because and you know for example if uh, you are applying for a loan and it says no why did it say no what were the criteria right and that has been a very big uh, hurdle so as to say for adoption of these uh, 
AI technologies in a uh, lot of enterprises. Uh, as a as a product manager in this area, right? How do you see this? Do you still see that we are a little behind on that? It will take some time, or do you think? Do you feel things are changing, or do you feel as a product manager there are things you can do that can give more comfort to the regulators that this is more predictable, this is more uh, deterministic, there is a logic behind it, and it's not just some fuzzy intelligence somewhere spitting out something. Yeah. Um... Interestingly, that word deterministic, right? That will al almost always be there. Uh, and how you deal with it. I think what's important is uh, rather than thinking about how deterministic the output can be, we think about how deterministic the process can be because that's what we can control. And there are multiple aspects of regulations uh, in the space, right? So a very important aspect is about the data protection and privacy, which mm. has a lot of regulation in the past and for good reason right like how do because we have so much data how are we using that data are we using it in an ethical way uh, is also very very critical and that's where you know gdpr came in and a lot of other laws have come in, in many many regions uh, and that's the that's one part that as product managers we can definitely you know make it easier for the regulators so making sure that you have all that covered and that's almost like the source of any data product, whether you use, you know, uh, AI, Gen AI, or whatever. That's where your source is. So if you address that, anything you build on top of it is going to be more reliable. Uh, I would also say maybe safer in terms of how you're dealing with individuals' sensitive data. So that's the critical part we can do. Uh, coming to neural networks and Gen AI in general, uh, so regulations will definitely catch up, although I do think they will take some time. As product managers, what we could do is look at what you're going to do with that output. So even if you get an output of a neural net, can you get give this person a loan or not, right? Hmm. How is that going to get used? What's going to be the entire customer experience around it? What's going to be the decision around it, the story around it? That's where product managers can focus on because that's what we do right for any other application so do the same for your data products and go from there to say okay whether you can rely on this output or not what more do you need to build in to rely on it oh, sure. yeah that that's that's actually a very good insight you know as a product manager sometimes uh, the whole um, stress around building something kind of overtakes uh, the focus that we should have on someone using something how will the operations use it yeah. how will they benefit from it and how, what kind of things they should think about while using that this is not uh, the final wisdom. And it's true for everything, uh, right? It'll, it's true for any kind of product that, you know, many times, you know, Google map will say, don't blindly follow, look at the road also. <laughs> I want to tell you yeah. a very good, fun story here. I was driving to Gokarna and we, uh, we chose a scenic looking route on the Google map. And there was a nice bridge, um, and the bridge accesses a nice uh, long island kind of thing, and then it takes us to Gokarna. So we started going there, and it turned out that the bridge was actually uh, a very narrow bridge for motorcycles and cycles. Oh. So I'm Tata, and I'm looking here, and the people looking at me, where are you going, right? Uh, so yeah, uh, you know, products do give us information, but the users of the product have to apply some uh, thought process. And I I really uh, 
uh, found that insight very useful that uh, yeah the the product may say give loan or don't give loan but the people who are using it underneath uh, also need to put in their own checks and uh, operational uh, flows there this was great um, i think this was very uh, useful and educating and maybe uh, in you know at some point we can gather again and uh, pick up this topic again but i do want to call out one thing usually i used to introduce sachin as a technologist which i think he's probably he is still one but recently <laughs> his official role has changed into that of a product manager so i'm very proud that i have dragged one more onto this side and it's <laughs> been one of the missions to capture each of the smartest people in other uh areas and bring them over to product manager so one down i'm just following one. great people's footsteps jinkar you were a tech tech first and then went to product manager i'm just doing sure sure, sure. <laughs> thanks awesome. a lot yeah. thank you so much anumaya thank you this was very interesting for me as well thanks for having me absolutely yeah. pleasure take care folks bye bye